Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's day 737 of our three-year journey through the Word of God, and we come now to Isaiah 46. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love for us and for this day that you've given to us. Thank you that we can have this time in your word. We pray that you would bless us as we try to understand Isaiah 46 and its relevance to our lives and what you are speaking to us today through your word given through the prophet Isaiah 2,700 years ago. Be our God and Father. Speak to us by your spirit through the word. We're hearing Jesus' name. Amen. All right, still here in Uganda, reaching Africa's unreached, and uh, you may have noticed the countdown timer was missing. Uh, I'll get that put back in in the future, but um, having some technical difficulties with all the different ways I'm using my computer here and then getting it back into mode for uh, devotional recording. But anyway, Isaiah 46 is the passage in front of us. Bell bows down, Nebo stoops. Their idols are on beasts and livestock. These things you carry are born as burdens on weary beasts. They stoop, they bow down together. They cannot save the burden, but themselves go into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb. Even to your old age I am he, and to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made, and I will bear, I will carry, and will save. To whom will you liken me, and make me equal, and compare me, that we may be alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse, and weigh out silver in the scales, hire a goldsmith, and he makes it into a god. Then they fall down and worship. They lift it to their shoulders, they carry it, they set it in place, and it stands there. It cannot move from its place. If one cries, it does not answer or save him from his trouble. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn of heart, you who are far from righteousness. I will bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Isaiah 40. Six. I've got all sorts of bugs bugging me out here. Um, so if I'm swatting and stuff, it's because i got bugs all around me. Tis the way it goes when you're uh, doing this kind of thing. Anyway, we continue the theme of this, this section of Isaiah, and that is this contrast between the one true God and the futility of idols. And here, the contrast is seen in the fact that idols have to be carried Idols have to be born. These things that you carry are born as burdens on weary beasts. And so if, if they have to be born, how can they relieve you of your burdens, right? They cannot save the burden, but themselves go into captivity. When a people group who worships idols is conquered, even their idols go into captivity with them because 
They cannot deliver them. They can't even deliver themselves. In contrast to that, God speaks to his people and says, you've been born by me from before your birth. You don't carry me around. I carry you. And even to your old age, I am he. And to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and will save. This is, this is a key distinction between the one true living God and idols. The one true living God created us and sustains us and provides for us and redeems us and defends us. Idols demand from us. They demand our time. They demand our energy. They demand our investment of money. They, they take from us. They promise pleasure. They promise distraction. They promise a level of security. But so often, the rule with idols is they cost much more than it appears at the beginning they're going to cost. They demand much more than they say at the beginning they're going to demand, and they actually pay back much less. And so you end up sustaining the idol rather than the idol sustaining you. So we should turn away from all the things that we're trusting in other than God and trust in him alone. Um, that's that's the, the really simple message here. He is God and there is no other. And again, again, just like we had in 45, the way he proves this, if you were to say, well, prove it that you're the one true God. And that is that he, he declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. The example here is of Cyrus, the Persian emperor, and the fact that he restored uh, the people of Judah back to Judah and Jerusalem. But there are other things, you know, through the prophet Micah, God foretold that the Messiah, his son, the shepherd of God's people, would be born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem Ephrathah. And then if you read Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22, Isaiah 53 gives us a great detailed description of why Jesus had to die as our substitute sacrifice to bear our sins. And so Psalm 22 gives an experiential description of what it was like for Jesus to endure the agony of the cross. So Psalm, Psalm uh, Isaiah 53, the theology of the cross as a substitutionary sacrifice. Psalm 22, the experiential agony of the cross. Well, Isaiah 53, written 700 plus years before Jesus, and Psalm 22, written a thousand years plus before Jesus. And so these, this is what God alone can do. God alone can speak so specifically and so clearly and so compellingly about things that won't even happen for hundreds or a thousand years or more. And if God has spoken, he will bring it to pass. It not only shows that he's the one true God, but it also shows that his word is absolutely reliable. If God says something, God's going to do it. He will not fail to do it. We can absolutely trust him. And so God's going to bring us his righteousness and his salvation. This closing verses of Isaiah 46 is looking to Jesus because Jesus is the righteousness of God. Jesus is the salvation of God. And Jesus is going to come to Zion and rescue the people of God, not just from Babylonian captivity, but from sin and death and eternal judgment by being our substitute sacrifice and conquering sin and death forever. So God has done that. We can trust him. He's told us now that Jesus is going to come again for us, that he will not leave us as orphans, but he will come and take us to himself. We can trust him that he will do that. 
All the promises of God are yes in Christ, and they will always be kept. I know I say that a lot in these devotionals, but honestly, I need to be reminded of it a lot because I worry and I get anxious and I forget easily. And, and maybe you do too, because the world and its idols are all around us and life and its cares and pressures are all around us. And sometimes we can lose our heads in the crisis and we can forget who God is and who it is that's carrying us. God is carrying us. God's providing for us. God is everything. He's the one true God and we can absolutely rely on him. He will never, ever fail. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for loving us with a love that is unfailing. Thank you for Jesus, our Savior, the perfect Redeemer of your people. Help us to trust you. Help us not, not to worry, to be afraid, to fret, to be anxious and overwhelmed, or to turn aside to idols as a false comfort that can never actually help. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that's Isaiah 46 tomorrow. Right on to Isaiah 47. Hope you can join me for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord.